Welcome to McDonald's. What can I get you today? Hi, she'll have the quarter pounder with cheese, extra mustard, no pickles, and I'll have a 10-piece chicken McNuggets. And, and two sides, sides of ranch, please. The we've done this before meal. Get it at McDonald's when you get two of your faves for just six bucks. Limited time only. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair and Panoply. I'm Katie Rich. I'm the deputy editor of VanityFair.com, and it's the day after the Oscars. We did it. Uh, I'm here in our New York studio with our film critic, Richard Lawson. Hello. Good and, to have you in person. Uh, yeah, it's good to be here. And even on, you know, five hours of sleep. Yeah. Uh, and on the line, we have our senior writer, Joanna Robinson. Hello. Joanna, you have got no sleep, I believe. So uh, this is... <laughs> a snatched an hour or two. You know, it's uh, when you're on the West Coast, you just got to fuel on In-N-Out burgers and champagne, even if you were not at the actual Oscars. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was dim sum over here. Dim sum oh, and bubbly yeah. water. So. Champagne and cheeseburgers always keeps me up. It doesn't put me to sleep. It just makes, makes yeah. me alive. Yeah. And Mike Hogan, who we hope you saw on the live stream that we had outside the Vanity Fair Oscar party, he was hosting with Kat Sadler, talking to all the biggest stars going to the party. Uh, he'll be joining us later to let us know what was going on inside. So guys, the Oscars happened, and I believe, looking at our predictions from last week, uh, none of us correctly predicted Best Picture nope. <laughs> at all. Nope. Not a one of us. Yeah, yeah. I did see multiple Little Goldman listeners tweeting at us that they won their Oscar pools because of us, which I'm deeply impressed by because I don't feel <laughs> it like feels we'll... like that was an accident of anything. I, know. Yeah. I didn't feel like we did anyone any good. Um, well, let's just let's start with Best Picture. I mean, I feel like The Shape of Water was both a surprise and that none of us predicted it, and then it happened, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I wrote a little review of the show after it ended, and I kind of said that, you know, it wasn't like a really triumphant, exciting moment like Get Out would have been. It wasn't, for me anyway, sort of an outrage of Three Billboards yeah. had won. It was just this middle of the road. I was like, okay. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's fine. And I, but, but I think the funny thing about it is that this is a Guillermo del Toro movie about a woman who has sex with a monster and yeah. there's a gay guy. Like, it's actually not conventional in no. any way. It's just this was such a crazy year that it kind of ended up feeling that way. Well, it also feels like every year the Best Picture frontrunner becomes a conventional one. Like, La La Land, in many ways, was not a conventional movie. It's a modern-day right. musical. They don't make many of those. Spotlight, you know, it was a quiet newspaper drama. It just keeps happening that way when you talk about these movies for, what is it, seven months now since you saw Shape yeah, of Water Until no Your Eyes? Yeah. Joanna, what, how, what was your reaction when uh, Shape of Water finally won? Um, I was worried that, because obviously my pick, which was Lady Bird, was ridiculous, and I didn't like, <laughs> actually think it was going to win. It was your heart, I, Joanna. It was my heart. But I was, I was worried when like you three all picked Get Out, and the Get Out narrative was growing so strong that people were like setting themselves up in recent weeks for a disappointment when before that it was going to be either shape of water or three billboards. And then all this get out narrative built, which like, it's, it's not like, I'm not like being condescending. I understand where it came from, but I was like, God, then it's just going to be so disappointing and feel like a snub when like a couple weeks ago, it didn't seem like likely at all. And so when it happened, I was just sort of like, yep. All right. Well, the energy in the room, like uh, like watching everyone cheer for Get Out, you could see where the energy was coming from. Because I feel like we kept hearing everyone in LA was really getting on board with Get Out. And I I felt like it was visible watching the Oscars. I guess the question is, you know, we've been talking about the the preferential ballot and all that stuff. Is that like, which is why I think a lot of we got in our heads about it. And we were sort of, you know, um, I mean, like there was a lot of evidence pre Oscars that Shape of Water was, you know, a front runner. And we just kind of didn't really listen to that, I guess. Yeah. But we'll never really know. Like, did it just get enough number one votes on the first round? Mm -hmm. And that was it. 
was it a lot of number twos? You know, I, I just don't. That's really. Know. It's. I still believe in Daniel Joyo, who said like he did not think anyone was going to win on the first ballot. That yeah. seems just impossible to me. But I do think we probably discounted it as a Dunkirk style movie that a lot of people really liked and would have been in like third, fourth, fifth place on a lot of them, mm-hmm. so that it would build up as the ballots kind of got tallied. Yeah. But I mean, once again, I really do understand the get out narrative, especially after it won the uh, Indie Spirit Award. And there's this statistic that before last night, the previous four films that won the Indie Spirit Award on Saturday night won the Best Picture Award on Sunday. That's crazy. It really did feel like this, like building towards something. But at the same time, like we have been hearing for months that like, whereas New York fell in love with The Post, LA fell in love with The Shape of Water. This is like, this is the inspiration for Richard's great joke about having sex with monsters in LA like this is like this is something we've been talking about and like we just I think you're right we like we got there too early and then we like sort of barreled past our own logic towards another destination but I have a question about the disconnect between what's in the room and what's actually voted on because I was tracking the um, original song performances and that Greatest Showman performance brought down the house and I know that there's like all this Greatest Showman buzz and and people like really passionately love it and and it was a standing ovation and i was like okay well that's it that that song's gonna win you guys had me all convinced and then the coco song one remember me and i was like that to me felt like a real disconnect between i mean maybe it's just because gael garcia bernal's performance of remember me before the actual professional singers took over was not that great but like how dare you well i I mean i love him dearly but um it seemed like a real disconnect between enthusiasm in the room and what actually won well this is me is the one that it had the people going out in the audience i feel like they totally stacked the deck and and then they're clapping yeah, they were making yeah. people. It was interactive. Yeah, exactly. Like Sufjan was never going to get that by like like rising up from a stage with his like band of merry pranksters and going back <laughs> yeah, under Saint it. Saint Vincent. Saint Vincent. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do think that was. Uh, I like. I feel like we all watched this as me, and we're like, "Oh God, is that dumb song that I had stuck in my head walking home the entire way back from the yeah, war room?" By the way, like it, it, song. it will not leave my head. But no, I feel like that that happened a lot, and it also happened with Get Out earlier in the night when Jordan Peele won the screenplay prize. Which I think, if we want to, you know, talk about if we set ourselves up for a disappointment with Get Out, that win felt like it kind of softened that blow. Like for Get Out to win an Oscar, for Jordan Peele to stand up there with an Oscar in his hand felt like this huge victory. But people went nuts when he accepted that. And Richard, yeah. I think you tweeted like, do these people know how to clap without standing? Well, it's, there were so many standing ovations. Like really every, were. It got to a point where I think they just didn't want to be disrespectful and because they were like, well, the last person got a standing <laughs> ovation, so now we have to do this for everybody. We, we stood up when Ava Marie yeah. Saint went on stage just to talk. Yeah, well, they set an early precedent with that and then yeah. they were ruined. Um, yeah, it's kind of like going to the theater now. And I very very defiantly will not give a standing ovation <laughs> if I don't think it deserves one, but everyone will because I just think that's like that's tradition now. Do you guys ever think of like what hell it must be to go to an award show these, I mean, not hell, comparative hell, but like um, versus even 10 years ago because of like Twitter and social media and the way that like any single facial mm-hmm. reaction you might be having to anything is poured over by audiences. Yeah. So like, you know, in years past, you could like check your phone or talk to your neighbor or whatever, but then all of a sudden it's like you're disrespecting the costume designer for Mad Max if you're not furiously clapping the entire way she walks down the auditorium. You know, it's like I feel like sometimes I see people at these award shows like being aware that a camera's on them all of a sudden and like perk up and try to smile brighter and clap harder and stuff like that because they know that, you know, social media or, you know, we we terrible evil bloggers will like, you know, make make pronouncements about what their face is doing at any given moment. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe in the same way that like the the Kimmel bit where he took a bunch of people like celebrities across the street to the movie theater to surprise people during a screening, which I would be annoyed about, by the way. Mm -hmm. But um, I I feel like some of those people were planned and some of them were just like, oh, sure, I'll just do it in the moment. Um, And I think that the people who just did it in the moment, like maybe Margot Robbie or somebody like they. I think there was maybe some fear of like, oh, we're not going to look good if we don't. If we don't participate in the stunts. Yeah. Yeah, How do we feel about the, the stunt? Uh, quality of the show I, I feel like I always go on the record saying I wish the Oscars were six hours long and I would watch yeah. whatever they want to do so I was kind of fine with it but th- this one did seem more flat than last year when they brought the people inside well it was just a little too chaotic I think that you said something maybe last night where you were just like it seems much more fun for the people in the room than yes. it is for the people yeah. watching it was hard for them to have, because of the setup of the room it was hard for them to have camera coverage like I wanted to see more of like people being like oh my god Guillermo del Toro has a huge sandwich but like the camera couldn't <laughs> get there you know and you had trouble like picking you're like where did Army Hammer go he's enormous how did I lose him in this crowd that's true so, I don't think I ever actually saw I think he was hidden behind his hot dog gun yeah so I mean I, I think not a euphemism guys uh, <laughs> I think the coverage is funky I did love I actually did love the jet ski bit I thought that was a really I, funny so I liked the jet ski bit and then the, the, I, I said this to our friend Joe Reed at some point is like when you go through the Oscar archives and read everyone's acceptance speeches like in 20 years you can be like why is everyone talking about a jet ski like what because so many of these acceptance speeches yeah. for the record are mentioning a goddamn jet ski I know I was th- and it was fun that like of all people the phantom thread costume designer was the one and he was game to do it I thought it was cool and he was wearing that life vest yeah, at the very end. But although, cute. what I didn't like about that is that they were kind of rushing the shape of water team off the stage so yeah. they were all kind of standing there while the jet ski came out and like they cut off the producer guy the, it just felt like, it, you know, the show, it started at 8 as opposed to 8.30, which it usually does. It, it ended before midnight, which I remember very well from, like, watching in middle school that it didn't used to. Like, it felt like they had the time to let the guys talk. Yeah, they they probably should have. And, I, you know, it's funny, our, our um, more at least my relatives sort of, like, endurance with the Oscars, like, in terms of them being long. Like, I was looking it up last night. Like, the 2002 Oscars were four and a half hours long, or <laughs> close to. And I look forward like, to you recapping them in yeah. four years. <laughs> well, speaking of the recap, though, it was funny, though. I was, because the jet ski thing, like, I was thinking about, okay, so if I'm still doing this stuff at 20 years like what will i say about this show and it was like the, i feel like I, I won't be able to write about anything but that horrible set i thought that set was oh, yeah? so gross you didn't like the like crystal like Ugh, cave I, was, vibe I, I believe i referred to it as a crystal sphincter in my <laughs> in a formal piece published on vanityfair.com but kimmel did have a good joke about that right like each what? crystal represents humility or something yeah. like that <laughs> no it was good that he referenced it yeah, yeah. i did think like it, it's funny too like I, I don't really remember the monologue anymore because so much happened but i felt like he was pretty good like he mm-hmm. he was a good host last great. year and he's going to yeah. be remembered for the debacle that ended it but I feel like he had like good tone of jokes throughout the whole thing like he kind of took a moment he talked about the Parkland kids in a way that didn't feel totally forced because I think he was saying like you know be political in your speeches and speak yeah. out like it seemed like he was not grandstanding even though there was so much opportunity for that the only thing he said that like didn't land for me and he had one of these last year too and so like you know where he was like I feel like everyone should have won that's something he said last year I was like ooh just like five more seconds in your head and you wouldn't have said that thing mm-hmm. um, he said when he got up uh, after Francis McDormand's speech he's like man I wish I were a woman and yeah. I'm like um yeah. I like you've done such a good job of really like supporting what this evening had to be about and like I, I understand the like positive idea behind that sentiment but like it's still very hard to be a woman so like it's a cool cool years jet skis yeah. <laughs> well done um no i think on the whole he did well i think the show itself did well at you know obviously there was no way they could do the show and not address 
not just Me Too and Time's Up, but mm-hmm. like other things happening in the world that are terrible and, yeah. and that look that make award shows where millionaires congratulate each other look kind of tacky. Yeah. Um, and I think that they they kind of they found a way to still be the Oscars, but also to acknowledge the broader world, to kind of address some past mistakes deal with criticism and and still have it be a silly chintzy kind of fun show you know and i think that that is really tricky to do and i think kimmel kind of like minus a couple bumps here and there like kind of playing it down it it really helped that you know i think one of like the most intense moments that was kind of it was kind of hard to read because it wasn't so spelled out for you but when ashley judd and annabelle sciorra and salma hayek uh, presented together and annabelle sciorra was you know an actress in the 90s who said that Harvey Weinstein kind of damaged her career like a lot of people and she also says he raped her and she has this really really horrifying story that I think she told to Ronan Farrow and she's standing there on stage and she's you know in this audience where Harvey Weinstein was sitting there last year and she's looking out and being like it's good to see you again because she had no career after it was damaged by him and kind of like recognizing what that means to her it felt like such a personal representation of this huge change that's still ongoing it was it was smart I think they introduced the kind of mini documentary that I saw in the credits that Judd Apatow was involved in it somehow, where they interviewed Mir Sorvino and oh, is that right? You know, they yeah. talked about just like you know the general power of the moment. Yeah, but it wasn't that clip was not. I was expecting that clip because we knew that those you know those of us who like obsessively read all the great Vanity Fair coverage of the rehearsals and everything leading up to it, like we knew those three women were going to come out. We knew what they had in common. Um, I I I just knew that they were introducing like a short film, and I fully expected it to be all about like women and Times Up, but it was a broader. Times up for like the white male narrative because that was you, the one with Kumail where yeah, he's talking Kumail, about like watching yeah. rom Okay, yeah, and Lee Daniels and all this sort of stuff like that. And so it was just sort of like I, I that was like actually the biggest second biggest surprise of the night for me of like, oh, the, I expected this to be about one thing, and they are very firmly trying to make this night about not just yes women, but not just women. And yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And I think seeing that on the Oscars, like the academy reacting to online discourse or you know i think that that's that's interesting and it's encouraging in a way mm-hmm. you know maybe it's all for show maybe it's all kind of an empty little thing and they're just you know once this mo- you know thing blows through they'll just be back to the old stuff i mean there was also a salute to the military industrial complex <laughs> but that so. was introduced by west duty who's True. an american and kind of spoke in his uh, native language so and there it's was a vietnam vet and, yeah, yeah, yeah so it was <laughs> someone was like it's it's for red america but also about diversity that was that was my my thing i was like this is this feels like for middle america i love a montage katie loves a montage i had no problem with any of the montages the hundred montages they did uh even the one about war but um because i like i do love some a lot of war movies and so like yeah i don't want it to be like yay war but also like honoring the soldiers that's a fine way to put it and it did seem like a a faint towards okay we're not just celebrating like women and people of color but we're going to celebrate our armed services which is traditionally like a red state sort of sure issue yeah. though it though it shouldn't be but it traditionally is and then even then they're like but we've got Demi Moore and Jessica Chastain in here and it's like not just guys I don't know is that that was like very try hard and I was still like kind of emotionally hit by it I don't know what to tell you guys. the montages that I want to defend the most is the ones they had to introduce all the acting categories where mm-hmm. they showed like all the previous winners in their clips I, I loved, loved that I want yeah. I always want like more clips from movies at the Oscars yeah and they had like all this sense of film history it, it also made me realize because this is the 90th Oscars the 100th Oscars in 10 
nine years. Like we got to start preparing now. It's oh going to be God. so insane. It's be it, 17 hours long. <laughs> yeah. It will last your, the rest of your life. Yeah. Uh, and I will love every montage in it. You know, it's funny. I was kind of bitching about the mon- the montages. I had a friend over and I think she was kind of like, she had to go home, you know? So she was like, I think <laughs> she was like, like I all right, hurry it up. Yeah, and I had to work. And <laughs> yeah. so I was just like a little bit, um, you know, but at the same time, I'm the person who loved when they would have the five actors come out oh and give God, little speeches about the nominee. I mean, it was the best. So, yeah. like, clearly I do want more of Oscar. I just, like, think I don't sometimes. But. Yeah. No, the montage that I really liked, I don't even think it had a theme. It, it used the Lawrence of Arabia music. It used the Love Actually music. It was just basically, like, movies. It I, was a salute to movies. <laughs> <laughs> As if the whole night was not... I know, but, it, like, it made me want to, like, go watch some movies. Yeah. And honest to God, like, it made me excited to watch and talk about movies that are not these... Like, I feel like we all had hit a point a, a few weeks ago where we never wanted to hear the word billboards again in our mm-hmm. entire lives. Yeah. No, it's no, true. I got, I got so excited about that. I, like, messaged Katie. I was like, is this the Lawrence of Arabia music? Oh, my <laughs> God. I'm so excited. The best kind. <laughs> my most pleasant surprise win, and there are very few surprise wins, was for Heaven is a Traffic Jam on the 405. Because mm-hmm. even, even though, you know, which we talked about when we talked about all the shorts, and even though that was not the one that I, like, either – predicted to win or like was even my very favorite it actually is the one that's really stuck with me and um we talked about at the time that it was like a slightly challenging film and so whenever i get very skeptical of people actually watching the shorts see that freaking dear basketball win uh, (sighs) i like i was just felt really i was so pleased that that film won i just thought it was so good and um it really deserved it well, Richard, you predicted that one to win uh, of all of us. So you oh, that's right, ready. I did, yeah. didn't I? Good for me. Yeah, guys, we none of <laughs> wow. us predicted the Silent Child, which won this live action short, uh, and and and, and uh, none of us knew that the people who made it were these like beautiful young like British creatives who well, were also was, engaged was, to be married. That was the girl who was in yeah, it, though. The actress. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah I didn't yeah, know no, that. She, no, she was. She gave a great yeah. speech, and then um, Richard, you and I predicted Dear Basketball, and Joanna and Mike wisely went with Garden Party, which I think was the was the good one. But you know, we yeah, went, we, we we were the cynic. People love Kobe. I mean. It's LA. They love Kobe Bryant. Like, why yeah. should any of us they be like surprised John Williams? Like- yeah, and and I mean, speaking of LA, like the like I think I think I said on the podcast, like the the, the four hundred five is in the name of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's about like how art is like one of the most important forces in the world. Like, I, I guess for me, you know, maybe I shouldn't be this cynical. It's like that movie winning the the 405 it shows that like people actually watched them. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Rather than kind of being like, oh, I'll That's just what do I'm the saying, yeah, you know. yeah. Yeah, the one that not the one that says heroin in it. You're like, oh, important. There yes. we go. Even though I did think that one was really good. It is. Uh, do we want to talk more about winners? I mean, it, a lot of we did get a decent number of our predictions, right? Yeah. We predicted Roger Deakins, who finally has an Oscar, which is great to hear. We, a random thread one costume design, which mm. I think we were all relieved to see because God, I mean, and then Mark Bridges won a jet ski. Yeah, that's two big ones. <laughs> yeah, Richard, anything that you were uh, psyched about? Um, I was really happy about Deakins. I think that for me, the most moving part of the evening for me just personally was James Ivory winning for Call oh, By Your Name. Yes. And he had that fun shirt with Timothy Chalamet's face kind of etched or like, you know, line drawn on it. And he was just so sweet. And, mm. and, and he doesn't have an Oscar. Gracious, doesn't have an Oscar. So you know, and he, he's yeah. like tribute to his like, obviously, mer- Merchant, Ismail yeah. Merchant, uh, his creative and life partner who is now who dead, died, you know, uh, a few, few years a while ago. ago yeah. yeah. I just thought that was a great moment. And I think we all knew it was going to happen. Yeah. But like, it was just still quite striking, I thought. Yeah. Merchant Ivory films meant so much to me growing up as like a deeply uncool 
kid who liked British literary adaptations. And so, yeah, like I was so happy. I was so happy for the like shout out to Ishmael Merchant. I was just like, it was, yeah, that was everything I, I wanted it to be. Uh, I was really happy. And thank you to Mike Hogan for giving me a shout out on Twitter for this when Blade Runner won visual effects. Cause that was, I think that was maybe like the one Joanna's heart win that like, yeah. actually came true. So. Yeah, no, you were, you were dead on. I think because uh, we all thought War of the Planet of the Apes was going to kind of yeah. get its valedictory win there. I think that one took me by surprise. We all predicted Faces Places for documentary feature and it went to Icarus, which I think I had seen people predict. It's about Russian doping. It's very topical. And I think it has like a kind of because the, the filmmakers started out to make one thing and then it kind of, yeah. as they've made the film, it sort of like got bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. So I think it had that element to it. And also... Like people like shit about sports. Dear basketball. <laughs> it's also a Netflix, which yeah. we, we were giving um, the heroin credit for being a Netflix short, but um, Icarus is also a Netflix, so right. it's very accessible for people to watch. My bet on the baby driver surge for editing and sound mixing did not happen. <laughs> it went to Dunkirk, which is very well rewarded. Although they had um, Ansel Elgort and they Isaac did. Gonzalez presenting the sound categories. Like it's like they thought baby driver might win. I guess so, yeah. I don't know. But Dunkirk, I'm happy. So Dunkirk went home with uh, three Oscars. I there believe. was a surprising amount of Ansel Elgort at that show in general. (laughs) Well, he was sitting right behind Gary Oldman, I think. So every time they cut to Gary Oldman, you saw Ansel like clapping very solemnly in the background. But then he became part of the Kimmel bit and he's like high school friends with Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of Elgort happening. I mean, good for you, Baby Driver. Like you were in a hit movie, Ansel Elgort. Yeah. Well, maybe this will um, give, you know, producers the encouragement they need to reshoot of a billion dollar what is it um billionaire boys club that kept the kevin spacey movie that ansel's in that's not never going to come out now i think he's in that did they finish shooting it oh yeah i mean it was supposed to come out this spring it's never gonna come out no i mean it's called billionaire boys club <laughs> Yikes. Oh, yeah that'll be in our 2019 oscar predictions episode in a few couple of weeks all right. Uh, Todd Vanderbuff, who uh, works over at Vox.com, has this great podcast called I-, I Think You're Interesting. And he interviewed Julian Slater, the sound editor on Baby Driver, who was nominated in both the sound categories. Did a better job than I did of distinguishing between what those two categories are. And then I was just, I mean, Julian Slater's given a lot of interviews, but I was just really fascinated to hear him talk. After I listened to that podcast, I was on your side, Katie. I was like, this guy, ha- I mean, I know that the sound editor who worked on Dunkirk, uh, like, all the sound people who worked on Dunkirk had a lot to do, but like Julian talking about like how early he had to get in on Baby Driver and like just the idea of like, well, we want them to grab the wine glass in time enough so it sounds like it's with the music, but it can't be exactly in time because you can't hear it. And then like, and it was just like, I was like, oh my God, it sounds like a nightmare to do Baby Driver. And so then I was, I was, even though it wasn't my prediction, I was sad when he lost. So as was Ansel Elgort. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about acting? Because I've read all the people we thought were going to win won. Uh, yeah. I don't, no one cried in their speeches. I really miss that. I need some like overwhelmed yeah. acceptance speeches happening. We need more surprises. Like, yeah, I guess so. I mean, Anne Hathaway cried. Everyone knew she was going to win. Well, not just so that we like have, well, I mean, maybe everyone learned their lesson from like what happened to poor Anne Hathaway, but like, yeah. it's not, not just so that we have enough to talk about on our podcast. It's just like, I don't know. Like, 
I, I was hearing this actually from a lot of British film writers after the BAFTAs. They were like, we're so tired of our award show becoming so lockstep with the Oscars. You know what I mean? And and I felt the same kind of about the Indie Spirit Awards. There were a few outliers, but like, I was like, why can't Laurie Metcalf win the Indie Spirit Award if Alison Janney is going to win everything else? You know, like, why, why is it got to be this like so lockstep all the way? You know, it's people just, like to back a winner. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I thought all the speeches were nice, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I even thought Gary Oldman's was, you know. Gary Oldman, to his credit, this whole season has seemed really grateful for yeah. what he's. He was like, getting. he was the most emotional of the yeah, four, I think. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah. And like, I mean, I, I've been the darkest hour defender on the show. Like, whatever Gary Oldman may have done his personal life, he has a good, a good performance. You can decide if that's important. I feel like we talked about this a lot. Yeah. Um, but he seemed grateful for his Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Sam Rockwell, who, you know, I, I like him as an actor a lot. I don't like that movie. Um, he he was good, and he, I like the thing about um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, which I think we have a Julie wrote up for this on the site yeah. about his shout out to him, and um, you know, and I I tweeted something out last night that I was like, it's weird to be mad that Alice and Janney has an Oscar, I know, because she's the best, yeah. like she's great. It's just I'm not that, mad like, she has an Oscar. I, I'm not mad now. Like I slept on it, I'm fine. <laughs> over like it. who actually? I mean, it's fine. But like, um, and she looked amazing. That dress was she, really that good. That was a great dress. Um, so yeah, all in all, I thought that I was gonna be like kind of ho-hum about these people winning but I, I you know I thought they give good speeches and then of course there was McDormand yeah so I um before uh, I came up here my in-laws were watching three billboards and I watched a good chunk of it with them uh Francis McDormand and Sam Rockwell are both really good in it yeah, and like good actors. you know the like the movie has its tone problems but I feel like they and like I, I think they think like Woody Harrelson is sometimes part of the problematic parts of the movie um the like in terms of tone but yeah, I couldn't be mad about them. And then, yeah, Frances McDormand gave that speech where she really, you know, she steps up. She's like, I got some things to say. And everyone laughs. And it's like, no, no one's going to play her off. Like, she can say whatever mm-hmm. she wants. And then she ends with, like, obscure legal contract language that everyone is Googling today. I don't know. Joanna, do you feel like Frances uh, took advantage of the moment? Yeah, it's so funny. I, like, here's where I will admit to being uh, hugely wrong about something again. Frances McDormand's whole thing this award season has kind of bothered me because she has seemed like she is just naturally like, of course, of course, she's a feminist. Of course, she cares about this thing. But she's also kind of been somewhat obstinately like not engaging, like she didn't wear black to the Golden Globes or like she did that thing. Was it the Globes or the SAGs where she was like representation and then talked about her agents, you know, like, I, I, it felt like she was just intentionally not engaging. So when she got up, and she's like, I got some things to say, I was like, Oh, yeah, here we go, Francis McDormand. Oh, thank your family. Okay, it's not about the movement. And then she's like, and then she just like, drop this bomb. And I was like, Oh, I'm just, I I felt really bad. She's been playing I was like, the long game this whole time. I was in my house being like, okay, Francis McDormand. And then Francis McDormand was like, let me show you what I have to say. And I was like, I felt so <laughs> bad about it. So, um, yeah. I just keep yeah. thinking about a couple years ago where she made Olive Kitteridge and it was, you know, something she did on television because film roles were hard to come by because of, you know, her age and, you know, what she was willing to do. Um, and it was like, okay, so she's like taking things into her own, own hands. And then she comes around and like wins a dang Oscar in a, you know, a hit indie film. It, like, it's, it's impressive what she has powered through to do and you can tell it's by not compromising and by you know being willing to work less probably as a result and she's getting rewarded for it yeah yeah and i thought that when you know when she had everyone stand up yeah it was kind of damning like how few oh my god there were to even stand up Mm -hmm. you know so i think even then that was a sign of you know yeah it's like all the actresses clustered in the front and then like just like a handful of women throughout the back and it's uh like the it makes you realize like how far we are from parody and any of these categories 
the big thing that I kept noticing of the night is like, obviously, like this, this post Weinstein, me too, times up, like all of this is, is obviously going to be the focus. But the result of that um, seems to be in Hollywood, what we're seeing represented in the show is a closing of the ranks among the women like we had, I, you know, we all, I think, we three saw that the women who did not win the Oscar, the best actress category, Meryl Streep, Marco Robbie, Saoirse Ronan, and Sally Hawkins had like a little group hug in the audience after Francis won. And then I was just hearing like woman after woman, like celebrating each other, celebrating like Rachel Morrison or like, um, you know, or Greta being nominated or, you know, whatever it is, or like Brie Larson had a post before the ceremony, like, congrats. She's like, happy one year anniversary to your win, sis, to like Emma Stone. It was like all this and sisterhood, all these women walking the red carpet together. And I was just like, that really struck me because, and, and, um, who was it? Oh, Sandra Bullock was saying something when she was talking to uh, Vanity Fair's Krista Smith on the red carpet. You know, she was talking about Ocean's 8 and she was like, you know, how how all all the women in that film got along. And she's like, you know, there's always this, there's this reputation that if you get too many women of like a certain like fame or whatever together, they'll just be like cat fights and whatever. And she's like, turns out they've been trying to keep us apart, but we all get along and we like being together. So like, we should just all be together. <laughs> it's almost like, like yeah. uh, the men were too afraid of what the women would do if they talked to each other. And uh, yeah. <laughs> they started doing mm, it. Now everything's yeah. changing. Um, speaking of all these issues and the red carpet, I did not watch it, but I saw some clips of the catastrophe that happened on E! with Ryan Seacrest. So this, okay, so I watched all of it, which is really yeah. interesting. I mean, so what's interesting is when you're watching E! It's less of a catastrophe because they're not cutting to him. Like, he's right. getting these, like, you, they cut to him and he's like, hey, I'm here with Taraji B. Henson, and it's like a 15-second interview and they move on. But yeah. So she's apparently come out and said that she was not trying to, like, give him a godfather kiss by touching his chin and telling him good things happen to good people. Well, this is what she has told BuzzFeed this morning. Okay. Uh, it definitely did look like, And immediately know, after, she went up to... Uh, a woman a correspondent and she was like how are you doing and she was like i'm happy now that i'm with you oh did she really uh-huh. i missed that part yeah, yeah yeah so so ryan seacrest you know he's talking to kelly ripa he talked to um diane warren like he didn't get a lot of people like if right. you go if you then cut onto abc and saw our you know our colleague krista smith she got pretty much all of the big actors you know greta gerwig didn't talk to ryan seacrest and then as the broadcast goes on more and more they cut to juliana rancic who's at this like pool i don't know where this pool was but there was an audience sitting she was across the street yeah, so yeah, they were getting people back and forth. So she's there with various other people, including Josh Horowitz of MTV. And and they're kind of the ones who are being like, so, you know, me too, Casey Affleck's not here. They were the ones really bringing up the heavy issues. And Juliana's kind of like there to like shuffle everything along. But you realize that they're not cutting to Seacrest because he's not getting all the people. I mean, the shape of the broadcast was so different from what it is normally. And I just, I don't know why they just didn't have him on the cart. Like, why, but why Juliana was also like not getting, pe- you know, because they put well, Juliana. Well, Juliana wasn't on the carpet though because they were over That's there, what like, I'm saying. Pod. Like, yeah. wh- why didn't they put Juliana on the carpet? Like, would, no would it then be like too obvious that like everyone was talking to Juliana? Juliana and no one's talking to Ryan like that was a super weird decision it's like not only do you put the person on the red carpet that a lot of people don't want to talk to but then you take your other ace in the hole and put her across the street like what's happening there I have no idea I didn't watch the broadcast I was watching ABC because I like the Seacrest stuff was making me too uncomfortable and the ABC was actually getting a lot of interviews but even ABC one of the hosts was saying that a lot of the actors were just buzzing past the red carpet journalists in a way that they haven't before. And also one of our colleagues, Anariah, in the in the press room was saying that um a lot of a lot of people weren't coming back to the press room. Hmm. And so I, I there was just this sort of collective 
we're going to decide how to shape our own narrative tonight and we're not going to talk to too much press seemed to be the like uh, approach. I, I don't know if that was like super intentional. I don't know if like the times that people had a meeting were like, if you don't want to talk to the press, don't talk to the press or whatever. But that, that seemed to be, it wasn't just E like ABC was feeling that as well. Yeah. I wonder what's going to happen to the red carpet after the season. It's been really weird from, you know, from the golden globes onward. And I feel like E had like kind of handled it relatively well by like taking on issues when the conversation needed it, but also like talking to people about their kids. But the decision to keep Seacrest on the carpet, I feel like really, showed that they were not keeping up quite the way that they were before. The ABC show had not as it was five people, including Chris Smith and like Michael Strahan and not a single straight white man was um, one of the red carpet journalists on ABC, which I thought well, was there we go. interesting. Yeah. Just let the women do it. Let the women do it, I guess. Cause like, you don't know. I mean, that's, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, like, I'm not saying women should do everything always, but maybe they should, but maybe they shouldn't. But like, I think that's the thing is like, you don't know who's a Seacrest. You don't know who's a ticking time bomb. And so like, and that was the other thing is like Casey Affleck absenting himself allegedly or being disinvited from the ceremony. Like it just felt like a lot of, you know, like obviously Franco wasn't there, even the disaster artist was nominated. Like, you know, I think that there were a lot of guys either implicated in this or just not wanting to like stick their neck out. SNL had this really weird, I don't know if you guys saw this really weird, like toothless sketch on on Saturday night this weekend about uh like a, a fake award show called the yeah. Grabbies, yeah, I um, saw oh, which I was didn't like see it. that's just dumb. That sounds dumb. Yeah, I mean, well, what was really stupid about it is like they just invented a bunch of actors. Basically, you had like a red carpet host, and it was like a woman and a man, and the man kept getting replaced because every time, like every time they cut to a commercial, like something was discovered about that male red carpet host, so he had to leave. It was just like. I was like, name names or don't do this. <laughs> like, do you know, it was just so weird and mealy mouth. But at the same time, it was uh, trying to get at something about exactly what you're saying, Katie and Richard, which is like this red carpet mess. And also, they hadn't done their homework. I don't know how I know this, but um, the Grabby Awards are um, a gay pornography awards. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. So, just saying. <laughs> I just checked Wikipedia to make sure that was true, and it is. But also, I think that to your point, Joanna, like the way that they maneuvered not having Casey Affleck do it was like involved Jane Fonda and, you know, Jodie Foster and stuff like that. So I think that like I just liked how I think they found a lot of the right solutions to some of these not not like permanent solutions, but like temporary for the show's purposes solutions for a lot of these problems. Like yeah. I think they kind of um, they thought through it well. That to me was really encouraging about the future of this. And like if we're going to find a way to balance all of this like political and you know social kind of change and outrage and justice and all that with still having a fun glitzy kind of yeah thing. i mean the presence of like ava marie saint and rita, rita moreno and mm-hmm. uh, jane fonda made me realize like how many years it was just like right. jack nicholson up front at the oscars over and over again or like even warren Beatty. like all of these men from this period have just gotten to have like the most endless career while the women who were their contemporaries often got shoved to the side and jane fonda god knows no one's ever shoved her to the side so she hasn't had a problem but just the willingness to put women on the stage and you know my guess is there were more women on stage than men last night like i feel like we could have a couple years of that and then maybe we start letting the men come back i think it was like 60 percent or something like that the um 
and and then it just feels like so much more because we're just not used to seeing yeah. like even 50%. So 60% just feels like an overwhelming majority. But like there were, you know, there was an effort to have like, you know, a lot of like different like races and cultures represented, of course, as well. But like in an interview, the producers of the show were saying like their emphasis was not just on like let's banish all white men from the stage always, but they were like, you know, since it's the 90th, we really want to get a lot of like the legends out there, which is exactly what you're talking about, Katie. Like, well, you're talking about the fact that they found a lot of like female legends, like even Marie Saint or Rita Moreno or stuff like that. But that's actually what I want to see from the Oscars. And I think it's something that the Oscars has been kind of afraid of. But something that I remember from the Oscars is these montages and like these, you know, older figures coming out. So like if Emory Saint comes out and there are like millennials at home who've never seen um, On the Waterfront or a Hitchcock film or whatever, and they're like, who's that? Like, I hope they go home and they like watched an Emory Saint movie. Like, you know, she's like, we should be forward looking at the Oscars, but we should also be backward looking. I thought they did it in the best way, that backward looking notion this year. I get such like every time the Oscars actually start, like I get so happy about it. And I can't help but think about myself being a teenager or, you know, being in middle school, watching the Oscars and being like, huh, what is this movie? Like what like what is the full Monty or, you know, now like being a kid and saying what is Call Me By Your Name? Like there's just so much of a, a way that the Oscars introduce people to things. And even if way fewer people watch them than they did when we were younger and like, you know, th- there's so much else to watch and they get behind on things. It's the, the, the way in which they elevate movies and make them topics of conversation. I find so encouraging year after year and I guess is why we keep doing this. Yeah and I just imagine if I had been a kid and watching that and had, had learned what um, you know from Adam Rapon what a harness is. <laughs> you can't hear me but I'm smiling ear to ear Richard. <laughs> they never cut to Adam Rapon during the entire broadcast. I think he was they? probably up in the nose please. <laughs> Look Chloe Kim got a whole shout out on, on stage from Francis McDormand. Did you see them on our carpet at the party? No. It was cute because Mariah Nagasu, she and Adam Rippon were there on the carpet and Mike and uh, Kat Sadler, who were hosting our live stream outside the Vanity Fair party, were talking to them a lot about Itania. And and they were like, well, yeah, well, you know, we really like that Margot Robbie tried to learn to skate. And I was like, whoa. No, no, no. They were, no, no, no. It wasn't mean. It wasn't mean. It was like, but the word tried was like, it, it could have been like completely innocent. It could have been like, she made the effort, a genuine effort. But it was also, it was just like a funny, I mean, you know, Margot Robbie knows that she's not a, like a Tanya Harding. So like, but they were also like, it's really fun to see our sport represented in this Oscar nominated like film. It's really fun to us. And now we're joined in a late-breaking surprise. It's just like the envelope mix-up last year. Mike Hogan is here. Hi, Mike. Mike, we saw you on the on the uh, blue and white striped carpet with Kat Sadler last night. Uh, you were there. You talked to everybody. We've we've kind of caught up on the awards themselves. So tell us about the after party. Um, it was really great. It was just a lot of fun, and everybody seemed to have a good time. Um, I think the best grouping I saw was Francis McDormand with James Corden and Lin Manuel Miranda, and Francis. Mc- Dorman was, I guess, I didn't see this, but she was apparently parading around the uh, Apple Lounge in the back with a bucket of chicken, demanding to be introduced to Chloe Kim and dancing. So that's pretty cool. I think she was living her best life. <laughs> uh, who's the best person you talked to on the carpet? I think I was most excited about Kyle McLaughlin. 
I think that was obvious to the viewers. Yes, I saw I saw that happen. I think so Joanne and I both watched cute. that happen live. Kyle McLaughlin told you he you were his personal hero, Mike Oaken. I saw it. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I mean, we met we we met Halle Berry. We interviewed Halle Berry and then Adrian Brody in like rapid session. <gasps> talked to them both about their you know Oscar wins. I uh, screwed up and told Spike Lee that he won best screenplay for Do the Right Thing, which in my alternate reality, in the Mike's heart alternate reality happened, but it did not actually happen. And uh, we had, um, I can't remember. I just woke up. I'm so like. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So so Mike, what was your take on um, on The Shape of Water being the big winner? Well, I think we're going to be, I I don't know. I really want to know what you guys think. I feel like we're going to be kind of chewing on this for a while that like, okay, a, there's not like an unstoppable, uh, for lack of a better term, like woke element of the kind of more conventional choice. So then what's the math on it? Like that's that, that I think is the question. Well, I, I think clearly like a lot of people love that movie and, and it is a wonderful movie and it's a real achievement. I also do think, you know, being out here for a few days is a good reminder voters like, you know, they really do vote just based on quality in their minds if they can possibly help it. And I think that probably a lot of people may have thought, well, this might not even be my favorite movie of the year, but like this is an unbelievable accomplishment uh, cinematically. And I, and I think maybe that's that's what happened. I don't know. Maybe we just overthought it a little bit and it was obvious all along. That was one thought that I had. A lot, everything else. I think we, I think we definitely thought we we definitely twisted ourselves up a bit over the preferential ballot. I think, which I think is going to keep happening because the preferential ballot makes it confusing. Yeah, honestly, looking at my choices, my picks, I kind of in almost every case where I got something wrong, I knew that other people were saying that the thing that won was more likely, and I was just trying to like have more fun or be more interesting. Unfortunately, it was an unbelievably predictable night in that in that sense. Yeah. There was like not a lot. Yeah, of I mean, it, interesting uh, 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 surprises, didn't you? Don't you think? Yeah, it definitely felt like a lot. Of, I mean, we, I think our predictions kind of fell apart around the shorts and all the things that are difficult to predict anyway. Um, but I don't know. Like, I think the, the, I think a year that was hard to predict, ending with Shape of Water, which was hard to predict. It didn't like win the BAFTA or the Golden Globe or the SAG or anything like that. Like, it definitely. I mean, right before they announced Best Picture, like I felt like I didn't really know what was going to win. Yeah. Right, and obviously hindsight's always twenty twenty. So anyway, Shape of Water won. I think <laughs> I don't know. I I know that there was enthusiasm for Get Out. A lot of enthusiasm when when Jordan Peele won the um, screenplay. I was in the Seliger Mark Seliger Portrait Studio that we do with Instagram, and I just heard this cheer go up from like the dinner where Regina Jones, our our editor, was was hosting her dinner, and I said to the people I was with, I was like, oh. I guess Jordan Peele just won best screenplay. And they were like, that yeah. is so, first of all, Louise Strauss was like, that is such a weird superpower that you know that like you hear a noise that's not even that loud and you know what award just got announced. And I'm like, <laughs> I I know, I'm a huge dork, but like trust me that's what happened it was. Uh there's were you getting another, any other sense from inside the party of what people were were psyched about? I mean, obviously Francis McDormand was kind of holding court. That seems uh entirely correct was there any any other um big wave of support in there um i I mean definitely a big wave of support for jordan peele and for for the for the screenplay award you know i mean there was a lot of and and because you know we had a lot of like 
there was a there was a very diverse crowd in there, which was really cool. And and um, and I think a lot of those folks were pretty openly rooting for for Jordan. Yeah, I, I saw that Keegan Michael Key was there, which I was really oh excited God. about. I hope someone got a picture of him with Jordan. Drake there with his dad. I just want to point that out. <laughs> did you see, Kitty? Did you see or any of you the photo of Keegan Michael Key re- reacting to Jordan Peele winning? Yeah, Keegan yeah. Michael Key is a very tall man, and he is just like up in the air, like with joy over Jordan Peele winning. And I think it's like Colin Hanks sitting next to him. Or I don't know. It's I like think a, so. it's a great reaction photo. It's really charming. Uh, at the end of the night, we were hanging out outside and Gary Oldman was there with Ben Mendelsohn and they were hanging out ha- having this kind of like incredibly cool like you know British Australian like drinking party that I was like wow that that's one that's a pretty fun cool way to live um and Gary Oldman was with his whole family they all uh posed with him for the Seliger portrait um, and then uh, we got to uh, pose with the Oscar, f- f- uh, the makeup Oscar. One of my tricks at that party, I don't know if you guys know this, is to just always compliment anyone I don't recognize with an Oscar because they're always below the line people. They're always awesome. And they let you hold their Oscar and pose with it. So that's yeah. that happened. The below the line people usually seem to be having the most fun because they haven't been starving themselves. They uh, haven't been doing millions of interviews and they are so psyched to have that Oscar. Yeah. And this this winner gentleman was telling us that he did four hours of makeup every day with Gary Oldman for it was like 48 days. And the makeup team was working 18 hour days the entire time. So that's cool. You know, after all the nonsense, like you, it's always fun to go to that party and realize, like, it's a bunch of people who made some art and they did their best, you know? Yeah. Um, Well, Mike, you did amazing on the red carpet. We were really excited to watch you. And we're going to be catching up more on the Oscars as the, um, you know, later in the week, we'll kind of catch up with all all of you guys who are out in L.A. But all right, Mike, go get some rest. Take off your tuxedo. You look great in it, but it's time to to return to normal life, unfortunately. Thank you guys so much. We'll we'll talk later. (laughs) We'll talk to you later this week. Bye. Well, then let's let's keep speaking of our party and uh, wrap up the show by plugging all the Oscar party coverage that's on the site. Mike did an incredible live stream with Kat Sadler talking to basically everyone who walked inside the party. Uh, he had Julie Miller contributing. She was like bringing in details about what Drake was up to while the whole thing happened. You can watch that video on VF.com. There's a gallery of all the clothes that people changed into to go to our party, which is fun. Tiffany Haddish had three dresses last night, which is uh, pretty incredible. And Allison Janney did this cool thing where she was like, it looked like she just put a white shirt on over her dress, but it's a whole different dress just with a white top, very Sharon Stone. And yeah. Yeah. Um, the 98 Oscars. Um, what else, Joanna? What else uh, can people find in, from the party? Intriguingly, Emma Stone changed from pants to a dress. Hmm. You usually see it the other way around. Well, then. <laughs> That's my like beat every year is like figuring out what people changed into for our party, which is a weird little beat, but uh, I really like it because, you know, some people go like, even more high stakes and glam. And then some people are just like, you know what? Let's just cool it down a little bit uh, so I can eat some In-N-Out burgers. If you see, we've got a lot of photos from inside the party. It's just really fun to see, like, not only people who are at the ceremony, but other people who are just, like, excited and, you know, like, drinks in hand and, and like, like relieved that all the, like, pressure is off. Saoirse Ronan's like, I'm going to shove a burger in my face so hard right now. You know, like, that's that's sort of the, like, what the Vanity Fair party represents is, like, you're done. You can – you're done. You don't have to squeeze into a dress. You don't have to, like, glad hand any journalist. You can just sort of, like, eat eat a burger and be a human for, for once. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. You don't have to uh, – you're free of Peggy 
Siegel for a few months. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at a picture of Laura Dern hugging Timothy Chalamet. They're both wearing white, so they mm-hmm. look like they're in kind of like a cover band together. Um, there was a photo where a ton of the black talent who was at the party all did a group photo and did the Wakanda Forever like arms mm-hmm, together. Mm-hmm. Um, Janelle Monet wore like the most incredible like red suit plus Ugh. cape to our carpet, and she wasn't at the actual Oscars. So there's a ton to see there, and um, we're still going to be back this week to talk about the Oscars. We have another show coming at the end of this week where we're going to catch up with some of our colleagues who are there. And then maybe we'll never talk about three billboards again, maybe. Oh, boy. <laughs> I hope so. What is something that either you want to never see again at the Oscars or that you hope they repeat next year from this year's broadcast? Um, I never want to see that many standing ovations. <laughs> Everyone needs to learn to sit. I guess they can't really control that unless they tie people to their chairs. <laughs> and I would love to see more of people like, I mean, I know we just kind of kept, kept saying it, but like more people like Eva Marie Saint who are still around, who are like, but like aren't, you know, yeah. the biggest names mm-hmm. in, in the world. But like our, and, and West Studio, that was great. Yeah. You know, like people like that, like bec- because who are part of the Academy and, you know, are are known in a way, but not maybe to, to younger people. And so maybe it'll make them curious. I'd like to see more of that. Yeah. How about you, Joanna? I think I, I want to say that like, I guess I must have missed West Studi on the presenter list, but I yelled loudest when he came out. I was like, West Studi is here. <laughs> <laughs> because he's like such a fixture of 90s films uh, for me. And so I was just like, oh my God, West Studi's in the house. Um, yeah. Uh, what do I want to see? You know what I want to see? are more like dramatic like Rita Moreno was talking about this on the red carpet how dramatically short uh, her acceptance speech was when she won in the in 19 what 62 right um and I really wanted Alice and Janney's speech to be like, I did this all on my own and then just walk out. Cause she got like, she got, the she huge got such a good laugh. reaction to that. And I'm like, just take the win and walk and take the jet ski too. Like, I, I think I liked the jet ski bit for that encouragement of like, sometimes it's okay to just be like, yup. Thanks. Bye. Or, you know, be Francis McDormand or Gary Oldman. Both of those things are okay. But like more short, funny, like, yep, I did it speeches. That's what I'd like to see. Uh, the thing that I want to see uh, more of is montages. Just keep the montages coming. And then I want to not, at least for Best Picture, you can't play anybody off. You have to just let them talk as long as they want to talk. And I know there's like 10 people up on that stage, but you should let them in. Yeah. One thing I never want to see again is like a stage that looks like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bedazzle Sphincter or no, what was it? Uh, crystal Sphincter. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a Crystal Sphincter, but then sometimes it was like a Baroque, like the Beauty and the Beast castle, yeah. like yeah. set behind the Crystal Sphincter set. It was just a lot. Okay, that does it for this special Monday post-Oscar edition of Little Gold Men. Like we said, we'll be back later this week with an official wrap-up of Oscar season and then move on to the next Oscar season, which will start before you know it. Uh, In the meantime, so much stuff to read and watch at VanityFair.com. And you can keep tweeting at us at Little Gold Men. It has been really fun hearing from all of you on Oscar night and especially hearing when you won your Oscar ballots. Whoever it was who won the prize that was like a bunch of peaches and junior mints and popcorn in a basket. (laughs) It was was really like on point. And like... The Blade Runner soundtrack on vinyl. That was really the best Oscar ballot basket I've ever seen. It was, it was pretty impressive. Um, so tweet at us at Little Gold Men, and you can find us on our own. Uh, Mike is at Mike underscore Hogan. I'm at Katie Rich. Richard. Rylaws. And Joanna. Jared this. This episode was edited and produced by Danielle Roth. And this week's award for the best description of the logistics and what we overcame to record this post-Oscar episode of Little Gold Men goes to Joanna Robinson. We all get along and we like being together. So, like, we should just all be together. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, 